Uh, I'm First Officer Shane Corbett. I'm a 737 uh, First Officer here in Atlanta. Um, I'm also the uh, Communications Committee Chairman for the Delta MEC. I'd like to welcome everybody to the uh, virtual town hall. Uh, today with me, I have MEC Chairman Captain Jason Ambrosi, Negotiating Committee Chairman Captain Eric Criswell, and Senior Labor uh, Relations Council Andrew Brenner. Uh, with that, uh, we'll uh, discuss the following topics today, among uh, some other things. Uh, Section 6 updates, updates on the Global Scope Agreement in Principle, the uh, strike authorization ballot that was passed at the August MEC meeting in Boston, uh, the upcoming September 1st picket uh, before Labor Day weekend uh, that will be nationwide. Jason will talk to you about that, as well as addressing some of the uh, questions that were submitted by you, the uh, Delta pilots, uh, we will address as well at the end. Uh, with that, I'd like to hand it over to Captain Jason Ambrosi. Well, thank you, Shane, and uh, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today. It certainly has been a busy summer. Thank you for your unity and support. It helps us move the needle at the table. We, as Shane said, we want to brief on several items uh, as the summer comes to a close. Primarily, I'm joined with Captain Eric Criswell, the Negotiating Committee Chairman, to give us a recap of where we are in negotiations. The negotiators have been meeting all summer as we try to narrow issues in preparation to focus on high-value items that are typically part of the end-game negotiations. As Shane said, we'd also like to uh, get to some uh, pre-submitted questions on your behalf. Let's kick it off with Section 6. We've made progress this summer, but quality of life and economic issues need to be addressed. Our goal remains the same, a comprehensive industry-leading agreement that you, our Delta pilots, have earned with no concessions. With that, Eric, I'd like you to brief, please uh, take it over and brief our folks on where we're at. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so like Jason said, we're making progress. Um, it's slow. Uh, the, the summer, we've primarily been dealing with uh, scheduling, quality life type issues. Uh, you know, those the, the lion's share of these issues are contained in sections 12, 22, and 23 of the contract. So uh, really since, uh, you know, the, the February, March timeframe, we've been working uh, in, in small working groups. We've got uh, our, our subject matter experts from our scheduling committee. That's a, a very, uh, very talented uh, team there with uh, from our scheduling committee, as well as, uh, you know, member of, a, of, of my committee, uh, Rich uh, Wheeler has been in that uh, small working group. He was a former scheduling committee chairman. So there's a lot of knowledge in that room, a lot of understanding of what the pilot issues uh, that you know everyone's facing on the line today are. Uh, we have a pretty comprehensive list of of, uh, of items that we're looking to improve in this negotiation. It's complicated. Um, there's a lot of things that tentacle into other pieces. So you know the the time being spent, some of it is being spent uh, just because things are complicated. They take time, um, you know. But things aren't moving as fast as we'd like to either. Um, you know, we we've uh, we're still meeting every other week. The uh, the the timeline that we're on is about the most uh, uh, aggressive that the mediation board um, ever schedules. So we're we're meeting twice a month at the minimum, and uh, you know we continue we expect to continue to do that until this deal is done. Um, but we are still largely uh, you know kind of in the weeds on scheduling issues and uh, and trying to make uh, some pretty big improvements here because we know that uh, we know that everyone on the line is looking for uh, some pretty substantial gains in this contract. Um, you know, once we get to a point where we feel, uh, you know, we're satisfied in scheduling, uh, you know, the intent then would be to move on. We, we've closed uh, over 20 items or 20 sections of our contract. Our contract, as you know, has uh, 28 sections. Uh, we've closed uh, 20 of them now. And, 
Uh, one bright spot out of last week was we did we did close our uh, Section 25, which is a medical dental life insurance benefits. Um, you know, we came into this negotiation with uh, some of the most expensive health benefits, uh, no contractual uh, high deductible plans. We're going to come out of this with, uh, we believe, an industry leading package benefits that are uh, much more affordable and provide uh, you know better coverage for you know for our pilots. Um, and protected by the contract. So all that's good stuff. Uh, but like I say, we're, we're really, uh, you know, where things have really slowed down is, uh, is trying to solve scheduling issues. Uh, coming out of COVID, uh, obviously, um, the ramp up been, has been pretty quick. And, uh, you know, that's, that's posed, uh, obviously, challenges for, for our pilots to try to manage, uh, manage through schedules. And that's highlighted a lot of issues that, uh, that we know will need to be solved. So uh, you know, like I said, once we get to a point in scheduling where we're satisfied or or if we get to a point where where neither side's moving, we expect to move on then to, you know, the value discussion, the the compensation, the retirement, uh, the vacation, those sorts of, uh, of value items uh, really are what's what's left on the table once scheduling is, has been addressed. Um, we're, we're back at the table next week. Again, every other week we're meeting on on Section 6 and uh, and we're going to keep pressing and keep our foot on the gas to uh, to try to get this thing done. All right, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit to Global Scope. Uh, we had an AIP some time ago. We received questions from from pilots on where is the final language, what's taking so long, so on. I, I'm pleased that we're getting close to a, a final language on this. The devil's in the details. Uh, we want to make sure that proper protections are in place for our pilots. And once a tentative agreement is reached with that final language, the MEC will be briefed a review and ultimately you the line pilot will be able to say uh, up or down on a membership ratification vote for global scope this is something that we wanted as delta pilots international joint ventures are a thing that we are going to have to live with going forward we wanted to ensure that we have the appropriate amount of flying for delta pilots uh, at at a meeting a, you, almost a year and a half ago now uh, ed bash had committed to the mec to tackle this concern for the delta pilots and they've seen it through. The company has seen it through. We're down to the final language writing and uh, it's taken longer than expected. However, at the same time, we did not want to delay uh, section six. So uh, uh, Eric and his team have, have really been working hard to, to do these two things in parallel so that um, global scope doesn't cost any, uh, cause any delays in, in section six uh, while still trying to, to work hard to get the, the language done for the for the global scope and make sure there's no loopholes or anything in there that could catch us at some point. So Eric, I, I really appreciate your team's efforts, including the expanded team of the scope committees and, and other folks involved with global scope. And uh, with that, I'll, I'll throw it to you to, to provide the pilots with a little more color on, on global. Global has, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned, Jason, we came to an agreement of principle back in, in May of this year. Uh, you know that that was really the the culmination of of over four years of effort. Um, you know we've been uh, this you know negotiating committee has been talking about scope in various uh, capacities. You know, really the whole time that I've been on it, uh, and I've been on this committee for uh, for five years. And uh, you know global scope has been one of those things that's been a priority for for the MEC, uh, largely because what we have in our current scope section. You know, is uh, at the time was uh, you know was viewed as as solutions to problems that existed. However, you know, as as joint ventures have matured, as as the company's business plan has changed, um, you know, there was a, a growing desire to to handle it in a more comprehensive way, 
and to consider uh, you know all of our partners in one uh, agreement rather than you know a patchwork of, of various agreements that measure different things in different ways. So, you know that's been a priority for a long time. Um, we really started in earnest with this negotiation, uh, you know, really after the spring of uh, 2021, and uh, and that negotiation you know took took the better part of a year to get here. Um, the the language writing process again. We we announced this back in May. Uh, we know that there's a lot of interest in what's uh, the details uh, that are in this agreement. Uh, we're, we are not taking this task lightly. Like Jason said, we've got a full Section Six schedule um, on top of uh, on top of this global scope, and uh, we we really don't want to delay the Section Six process either. So, you know, we are um, you know working on uh, whatever time we have in between to uh, to push global forward. I do want to mention, you know, there are several provisions in the in the global scope agreement that address the current flying situation, which is still depressed from pre-COVID. Uh, one of our central goals was to uh, not really give a one-to-one -one type growth credit for Delta for just recovering from COVID, right? So, you know, the the point there is is you know they're going to recover. They they we we shrunk more than our partners during the COVID drawdown. Uh, so we expect to grow more than our partners during the recovery from COVID. So you know we didn't really want to start the one to one clock counting when we're still recovering from COVID. We want to grow more than our partners um, to get back to the point where we were before, you know, the world uh, uh, kind of stopped turning for two years. So uh, that that whole process we believe is going to take through 2023. So we have some very specific checkpoints and gates that the company must honor throughout 2023 as part of this deal before we can really even get into, uh, you know, giving credit for the one-to-one -one growth. And, and, and those require the company to grow more than our partners for a period of time. So uh, without getting too far in the weeds, the, the reason I say all this is because you know, whether uh, this agreement is set out for, you know, for you all to weigh in via membership ratification um, you know, in September or whether it happens in October or November, I just want to make sure everyone understands we are not leaving anything on the table, regardless of what that timeline ends up being. Uh, getting the language right, making sure it says everything that we intended in this agreement, uh, and also putting numerous examples in the contract so there's no ambiguity uh, going forward. Because this does uh, this does change the paradigm on scope. This is a, a very big deal and uh, and we're not taking it lightly. Uh, we appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, we're, we're also working on uh, educational materials. Jason mentioned our scope committee. Those guys are rock stars. They've been uh, they've been with us through the whole negotiation and the language writing process. Uh, we've got a great team. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, Rich is on our team. We also have uh, Brandon Conwell. He was a former scope chairman. So, you know, we have a, a pretty great depth of uh, of knowledge on our committee as well as our our subject matter experts in the, uh, the structure of ELPA. Yeah, that uh, that are with us, and you know, again, we're 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 taking our time because we wanna we wanna do this uh, in a way that uh, that we can all be proud of, and uh, doesn't turn into anything that's uh, unintended down the road. Well, thank you, Eric. And um, as a Delta pilot that's going to fly under this agreement, I know I appreciate the amount of effort that that you and your team are are putting into. Just making sure this the detail and the language is is right on the global scope. Shifting gears a little bit to the strike authorization ballot. So we've heard uh, uh, loud and clear from from many of you that this is something that that is you want to move the process forward. Uh, it's about timing. At our August MEC meeting, the MEC unanimously passed a resolution 
calling for a ballot based on the movement at the table. This does not, however, mean that a strike is imminent. The Railway Labor Act dictates when self-help is permitted, and we're still in mediation. The mediator would have to declare an impasse to start the process towards self-help. Andrew Brenner, our senior labor relations counsel, who is also part of the negotiations team and is at the table. Uh, Andrew, would you give us a, a brief rundown on, on how the actual timing of, of the process works as, as we get to a, a potential self-help situation? Sure, Jason, uh, and you're, you're exactly right. Uh, negotiations uh, in the airline industry are governed by the Railway Labor Act. Uh, we, we began negotiating back in April of 2019. Uh, we started with a direct the direct phase of negotiations between the parties. Uh, under Section 28A of our pilot working agreement calls for the application of a joint request for mediation. Uh, through the National Mediation Board. Um, that uh, joint request was actually made in January of 2020, uh, a couple of months before uh, our, contra our contract uh, uh, required us to submit that. And so mediation uh, began that next month in February of 2020, right before uh, uh, COVID hit. Um, we are still in mediation and uh, during uh, Section 6 of the Act, uh, the, the NMB, the National Mediation Board, uh, has jurisdiction and control of the process. Uh, the NMB determines things like the bargaining schedule, how often the parties meet, uh, for how long the subjects of bargaining, those sorts of things. And they also make judgments about the reasonableness of the uh, uh, positions and proposals of the parties. Um, the NMB will determine the, the length of time that the parties remain in mediation um, by considering a, a number of uh, factors. But mediation will end with either the parties reaching an agreement or, uh, as you mentioned, a proffer of arbitration. And it's just another way to say an offer uh, of arbitration. If either party, um, either the association uh, or the company, reject that offer of, of of an arbitrator coming in to determine the terms of the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, at that point, the next phase that would follow um, is what's called the 30-day cooling off period. And it's a little bit of a misnomer because uh, things aren't cooling off. They're, they're typically heating up and it begins uh, oftentimes a super uh, mediation uh, during that 30-day cooling off period. But if an agreement is not reached at the end of the 30-day cooling off period, at that point, the parties are released to engage in self-help, both the uh, uh, company and the association, and we are free to withdraw our services at that time um, if an agreement is not reached. So um, that's that's the process in a nutshell. I, I do want to you know make clear that the NMB does not determine. Um, what the outcome of these negotiations are. That's determined uh, by uh, the parties, by us, uh, and, and really the will of the pilot group uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but the NMB cannot force a particular settlement. Um, the NMB uses its powers, either the threat of, of withholding the proffer or sometimes suspending mediation or called parking mediation as its primary tools to push or move the parties towards an agreement, either making threats to, to do one of the or the other. And then at, at that point, um, the goal here really is to get a deal at the end of the day. But uh, the Delta pilots determine we have the resolve to, to go the distance and what it takes to, to reach a deal that's worthy of uh, the pilot group. So that's the process uh, in a nutshell. Thanks.
All right. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. And thank you for all your efforts on uh, on behalf of the, the Delta pilots at the, at the table uh, and in everything else you do here for us at the Delta MEC. We know education is the key uh, as we look forward to continued ex uh, communications from the Strike Center uh, that explain more about what a strike authorization ballot is. The Strike Center is now open right here in Atlanta. It's running. Volunteers will be on site until we have a contract to answer questions build a support structure needed to, should self-help be needed, and continue to educate uh, you and, and, and your families as this process goes forward. So while I have this vote, a unified pilot group is our ultimate leverage at the bargaining table. Management needs to know that we will go the distance to get the contract we've earned. This is one of the most powerful weapons in our arsenal. Remember, our goal is not to go on strike. It's to negotiate a tentative agreement that you have earned. To be clear, a yes vote does not mean we will go on strike. It authorizes your elected leaders to call for a strike after the NMB determines further mediation is not productive or will not help our parties to reach an agreement. It may be necessary to engage in self-help. Your MEC does not take this step lightly. It's a serious decision. However, your vote sends a clear message of support for your negotiating committee at the table. Eric, would you like to add anything on uh, on the strike authorization vote from the from the negotiating committee angle? Yeah. Hey, look. So you know, our committee was out picketing uh, on June thirtieth. Uh, it was a great show of support. We had over you know a thousand pilots system wide. Uh, you know, show up to those events. I think it was closer to 13 or 1400 and, uh, and that's outstanding. Um, you know, I commute to Atlanta to do this job uh, every week. I'm through the terminals uh, often uh, as well as staying current as a, as a 320 captain and, you know, seeing guys out there with the lanyard on, uh, the green lanyard and, uh, you know, giving us the salute with the heads off. It's, it's all very helpful to us and uh, just shows unity and the company notices. Um, they, they certainly know when, uh, when pilots are, uh, are unified and uh, and that definitely gives us uh, you know some some tailwind at the table. Um, as far as the strike vote goes, like Jason said, our goal is to bring uh, you know you all a contract that you're proud of and uh, you know that that you will um, that you'll you know we'll have to live under this this deal for the next you know x number of years and it has to be a deal that that uh, that you've earned and so you know. Our goal is not to take this thing all the way to a strike. Our goal is to find a find the right uh, uh, the deal that honors the Delta pilots. And however, you know, it takes it takes two to tango in that party. So, uh, you know, we they're like like Jason said, it's uh, it's not telling us to go on strike tomorrow. It's saying, hey, when when you don't think negotiations are going to uh, you know progress any further without further leverage, uh, then then that's the natural next step. So. But we appreciate the support uh, either way with, uh, you know, with the Lanyard, the Hats Off campaign, uh, you know, come out and pick it. That uh, September 1st event is right around the corner. Please, uh, if you can, if you can make it, please, uh, please do so because because uh, we definitely need uh, we need a unified pilot group as we get to, uh, you know, kind of the more heated part of this negotiation. All right. Thank you again, Eric. Shift gears a little bit to something that I know is uh uh, is something that annoys me is, is stock buybacks. So we're getting to the point where at the end of the period, uh, the moratorium on stock buybacks uh, under the CARES Act legislation. So last week, ALPA joined other airline labor unions calling management to stop the practice of stock buybacks. 
Our message is invest in people, not Wall Street. From 2014 to 2019, major airlines, including Delta, rewarded Wall Street with more than $39 billion in stock buybacks. Meanwhile, airline workers have had contract negotiations on hold for years, delaying raises and improving working conditions. Please join our fellow airline employees in demanding that CEOs put the airline, the industry stability, passengers and workers first. Greed doesn't fly. Please co- log into the Alpa website and sign the sign the petition on on stock buybacks as, as we move forward on this this significant and important issue. Now I'll piggyback on something Eric, Eric just talked about, which is the September 1st informational picket. Eric, you're absolutely right. If your schedule allows, please join your fellow pilots at every base on Thursday, September 1st for our final informational picketing event of the summer, just before the Labor Day weekend, the busy Labor Day weekend travel. Your solidarity on the picket line has gotten management's attention and that of the traveling public. It moves the needle to the table. It gives the negotiators tangible proof of our resolve as the Delta pilots to accept nothing less than an industry leading contract. Other Alba pilots, as well as SWAPA and the APA will also be picketing on September 4th as a show of solidarity throughout the industry prior to Labor Day. Uh, Eric, I'm sure you agree, uh, as you said, that, that them, the pilots joining us on standing shoulder to shoulder is a is a huge step uh, in assisting you with leverage at the table. Yeah, no doubt, Jason. Uh, you know, like I said, we were out there uh, June 30th. We're actually going to be at the table on September 1st. And, you know, I, I uh, just want to echo everything you've said. Uh, it, it certainly provides us uh, the tailwind knowing that the, the pilots are behind us. And, uh, you know, you got to show that and you show it by participating uh, in these pickets when you can by, uh, you know, by sending us your feedback, talking to your reps, uh, you know, wearing the lanyard, hats off and and all the above. So these are the ways that uh, that management, you know, looks to see where uh, the pilot group's at. And if it looks like the pilot group's not behind us, that 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 hurts our efforts. So uh, we need you behind us and uh, we're, we're not we're not giving up on this. This is uh, this contract is long overdue. Uh, like I say, the, the 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 our foot's on the gas, uh, but we're not going to bring you a deal that's not um, appropriate for the Delta pilots. You guys have earned, uh, you know, we all have earned a, a contract that that we'd be proud of, and uh, and that's what's on the table for negotiation. We are not uh, negotiating concessions. We're not we're not negotiating in a uh, in a down market here. I mean, the pilot supply is. Uh, we're, we are we are a commodity. We are not a commodity. That's a terrible way to say it. We are a we are a very valuable asset to this organization, and uh, and our contract has to represent that. And we're uh, we're at the table every day pushing, uh, you know, pu- pushing exactly what was in our opener. Uh, our, our our goals have not changed. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Uh, again, please join us and stand shoulder to shoulder on September first. Uh, before we throw it to questions, just just to reiterate, you know, our our team is is working as hard as they possibly can, and I really appreciate their efforts. A true team of volunteers here. It's not just those of us that you see in front of you here today, or that you see at the pub events. We have a, a huge group of volunteers that are, are are working really hard behind the scenes to to do it. Focus on finishing that global scope. Focusing on putting uh, the Delta pilots first and getting a contract that you have earned that you will be proud of, regardless of what's going on at other properties around the industry, the Delta pilots are going to get a contract that you've earned and that you will be proud of, not a 50 plus one solution, something that you 
will be proud of. We have not forgotten the four pillars, you know, pay, scope, quality of life, and retirement. All that is still on the table. We are we are pushing forward. With that, uh, Shane, I'll, I'll throw it over to you if you'd like to, to do some of the questions that you have. Uh, so we had several dozen questions submitted by pilots and uh, a lot of the same themes were uh, sort of shared by a lot of the pilots. So what we did was we sort of distilled these questions down um, a little bit. Uh, so if you don't see your exact question answered on here, that's because it was probably asked by several other pilots. And so we tried to ask the question in a way that kind of covers all bases. So with the first question here, I'd like to ask Jason. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask Eric, uh, who sits on the company side of the negotiating table? So the, you know, it changes from week to week, uh, depending on what we're talking about. Um, you know, the company's core team, they've got one labor attorney uh, that is, I would say, you know, they're, they're chairman of their committee. Um, there's a couple pilots on their side from, you know, from uh, the management pilot ranks and they've got uh, finance people and, uh, you know, and, and people from, you know, largely uh, what we talk about ha has an effect on crew resources, crew planning. So uh, they've got representatives from, you know, from that side of the house as well. That That's generally their core team. Um, you know, then, you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, health plan, medical plan, that sort of thing, they'll have benefits people or retirement, they'll have some of their, their experts on that. Um, but you know, generally their team is is really just uh, they've got they've got one labor attorney um, whose prior you know in, in his prior life he was working with the JetBlue uh, management. Uh, he was responsible for negotiating their uh, JetBlue's first uh, contract back uh, back when they did it uh, when they became uh, an Alpa member. So um, you know he he started this process uh, part way you know through. And, uh, you know, he's not been part of the, uh, their team for, you know, over, I think about three years and, but, uh, but, you know, we, we have a, we have a rapport with the, with the other side of the table to the extent we need to have it, but, uh, but we're there representing pilots. And, uh, like I say, they, they bring, you know, the same six, seven people to each negotiation and then, and then supplement from there. All right. Thanks, Eric. Uh, the next question is for Jason. Um, what is the status of retro pay negotiations? Uh, thanks, Shane. Uh, that's an excellent question. So uh, that we get that a lot. Right now, we're yet to get to the major economics. Uh, that's typically an, an end game issue. Um, as Eric said earlier, we've been, you know, while progress has been made, it's been slow. And we're still trying to work through some of those scheduling issues and, and so on, as Eric had, had indicated. Um, that certainly does not mean that retro is not an essential piece of this agreement. As a matter of fact, at our last meeting, the MEC passed a resolution adding language in the policy manual, the Delta MEC policy manual that, that discusses uh, a retro pay as part of any Section 6 contract agreement. So while it hasn't been discussed at the table yet, uh, I can assure you it's, uh, it's, it's front and center in these negotiations. Uh, thanks, Jason. Uh, the next question here is, um, are we negotiating to improve quality of life for reserve pilots? And uh, Eric, that question's for you. Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, I'll give a little color on that. So, you know, like I said, the last seven months, really, we've been, uh, you know, in scheduling working groups, um, trying to work our way through uh, quality of life improvements, you know, obviously not just for reserve, for regular pilots as well, and for bidding purposes and all of that. There's There's tentacles into... A lot of a lot of pieces of this job in, in the scheduling you know uh, uh, orbit but 
Uh, reserve has been a big piece of that that puzzle because um, you know covering trips that become uncovered or uh, you know the all of the work rules that that surround pilots uh, on reserve uh, they're central to a lot of these conversations. So uh, we've uh, I will say we've achieved some some pretty significant improvements uh, to quality of life for reserve pilots, and uh, you know that's that that is a, a huge priority at the table, uh, making improvements to long call, making improvements to short call. Um, the, the timeline for when you get trips, all of those things have been on the table. Um, and, you know, our hope is to come out of this with, you know, a much more livable reserve system uh, for, our, for our pilots who, who find themselves on reserve. Uh, thanks, Eric. Uh, the next question is for Jason. So why has the MEC decided to support the AFA and the organization efforts of the Delta flight attendants? Thanks, Shane. Um, you know, that is a good question. Most obvious is that we're unionists, right? We're trade unionism, and we believe in, in employees' rights to collective bargain. So that's number one. Number two is uh, uh, many times at the, at the table, the, the negotiators are approached with, well, if we do this for you, we have to do that for, for another employee group, or they try, to, they try to do a costing that includes, oh, well, well, if we do this for you, it is this. Now, our negotiators reject that at, at every turn. Uh, however, that's that's just a, the fact. So uh, again, supporting the, uh, the flight attendants and, and the unionization efforts of the AFA, that would allow them to, to bargain for themselves and, and we wouldn't be hearing that at the, at the table. Okay, thank you. Um, so the next question is for Eric. Um, Two-part question here. What is the status of negotiations for an increase to retirement benefits and the minimum balance? And the second part is, that, is there an update that we can give the pilots on the market-based cash balance plan? Yes, uh, we are. Uh, I, I can do both of those. So the, uh, the, the retirement benefits, um, you know, we've, we've talked about this value package. Uh, you know, Section 26 is where those, those benefits live. We have negotiated quite a few improvements in Section 26 that are not related to the uh, retirement benefit uh, itself, the DC contribution, minimum balance, that sort of thing. Um, so those are the two items that remain open in Section 26. Uh, our DC contribution, which is currently 16%, we proposed an increase to 25% in our opener. Um, you know, leading up to this contract negotiation, we did uh, a lot of legwork in modeling, you know, really what, what did a, uh, a retirement benefit for a Delta pilot or really any mainline pilot over the years, what did it look like and what did it take to, to fund the, the pension that, that we used to have? Obviously pensions went away and, and it's not likely that, uh, that a pension as, as, you know, we used to have would ever come back. But, uh, you know, our goal through this negotiation was to find a way to provide the same uh, amount of value going forward. So. 25% was proposed because quite frankly, that's what it takes to, uh, to provide that kind of benefit. Uh, of course, once you do that, you, you don't have enough room in your 401k. The IRS limits the, the amount of money that you can uh, deposit uh, on an annual basis into a 401k. So we needed a place to put this money. That's where the market-based cash balance plan comes in. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm doing a history lesson here, but uh, it all kind of fits together, um, you know, and, and it's important for context as to what these individual pieces uh, are aimed at doing. 
So the mark-based cash balance plan, we were able to get the uh, company actually in the COVID era uh, under LOA 2004 uh, to commit to establishing the cash balance plan. Now, through all this, we've all uh, we've all known that there's a hurdle in, in doing such uh, because the cash balance plan is considered a defined benefit plan. Um, when the pensions were 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 frozen and terminated at uh, Delta Northwest, the uh, they were done so and offered uh, relief uh, on the funding requirements under a provision called the Pension Protection Act 2006. That also had a provision that said, hey, if we're going to give you relief on the, the pension funding or if you're going to terminate these things, then uh, we don't want you starting a new one right away. So there there was basically a, a provision in this Pension Protection Act that says you can't start a new pension until uh, October of 2023. So uh, when we started this process back in you know, really 2018, that was an eternity away. And we had a pretty high degree of confidence that we we're gonna be able to approach Treasury and say, hey, you're not gonna object now. Obviously Delta's in a different place. Uh, we are uh, you know, setting up a new, ben- a new, new plan that's gonna capture um, you know, retirement funds that Delta pilots are already getting, uh, as well as any future negotiated uh, funds. Um, we we uh, underestimated the level of, uh, of bureaucracy that exists at the uh, Treasury. So uh, up, up to this day, I, I just talked with our government affairs um, people last week about this exact issue. We still do not have uh, clarity from the Treasury on this issue, and that's really the holdup on the plan itself. Um, as far as the the benefits that uh, that you know we're looking to fund in there, that's part of our proposal. Um, and as we've said uh, a couple times in this video. Uh, the value discussions that are coming very soon, uh, that'll be center stage. Uh, the retirement uh, contributions are right alongside the retro pay and our pay raises. Uh, the minimum balance, the intent of that was really to say, look, if, if, if you did have a, uh, a pension that was, that was frozen or terminated um, in a, and we do uh, end up achieving a large increase to uh, our DC contribution, uh, someone that doesn't have a lot of time left is not really going to benefit from that, but but may still, you know, so the, the goal of this contract was uh, was to really raise all ships, uh, you know, a rising tide raises all boats, right? And the intent of this contract was really to help everybody, um, you know, it, achieve a, a better retirement benefit than they currently have. Uh, the only way to do that um, with people who don't have a whole lot of time left uh, is the minimum balance concept. So we put out quite a bit of communication on this back when we, when it was proposed originally. Um, all that's still sitting out there on the Delta webpage. If you want to read up on it, um, I, I encourage you to do so because it's really not, uh, it wasn't intended to be a, you know, a money grab for some people or others. It's really intended to be a comprehensive solution. The DC uh, going up helps solve it going forward. The minimum balance solves it for those that don't have time and the market-based cash balance plan is needed uh, to capture those funds for everybody. Um, so it's a long-winded response. Uh, as far as the, the implementation of the plan itself, uh, that's kind of separate from Section 6 now. Uh, if we got a call from Treasury tomorrow saying, look, we're not going to object to starting this plan, uh, we'd be turning it on right away. And uh, But that's the holdup right now. Uh, that that holdup uh, ceases to be an issue in October of 2023. So, you know, we're now looking a little over a year down, down range, and uh, that would be the worst case scenario at this point for that plan to become in, in active. All right, thanks, Eric. I uh, apologize. I fat thumbed the screen there and uh, skipped a question. Uh, this is also for you, Eric. Um, positive space commuting sunsets on October 31st uh, when the CARES Act uh, runs out for this benefit. 
Are we negotiating for permanent positive space commuting benefits? Uh, yes, we are. It's a, it's a priority of the Delta MEC. Um, it's it's a benefit that uh, has been very popular with the pilots, and uh, it's certainly part of our uh, our position with the company. Um, obviously, they're looking at it in the context of uh, of other employee groups. That's not something that we allow to enter the conversation for for when we're negotiating for pilots. But uh, but it certainly is a priority for for uh, the Delta MEC uh, to make this this permanent. Okay, great. Thanks, thanks, Eric. Um, another one for you, Eric. What improvements to vacation are we seeking? Well, this is another section where we entered this negotiation really lagging, you know, many of our peers, uh, whether it, uh, you know, is related to the accrual, which is the number number of weeks that you have at any given uh, point in your career to the value of a day uh, to some of the provisions around bidding and, you know, moving your vacation or uh, those sorts of things. All of that's on the table. And I will say we've made some some gains on on you know some of the more ancillary parts of, of vacation like uh, like vacation slides uh, being contractualized, like uh, vacation distribution improvements uh, so that you know all the vacation weeks aren't offered in February. Uh, we actually get some in the summer. Uh, we've made improvements there. and uh, but really that you know again, this I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but but this is one of those items that drives value, drives headcount, and uh, it's one of those things that uh, I believe is going to be viewed in the context of a of a value package uh, that that uh, like I say is right around the corner. Once we, uh, you know, really put put the scheduling issues to bed, um, the major value items, the, the accrual and the value of a day, uh, will be on the table uh, alongside you know the pay, the retirement, the retro, all those pieces that are still kind of outstanding, um, but. Uh, but we are, but we are seeking improvements to vacation, really, in every one of those categories. Uh, great, thanks, Eric. Appreciate the answer. Uh, the the last question we have here is for Jason, um, and it's: Are we negotiating provisions to protect pilot medical freedoms? All right, thanks, Shane. Um, yeah, as I as I recall, we've had quite a few questions on that, so we we'll put it into one. Uh, let's do a little historical perspective on that, that uh, we obviously supported pilots' rights and, and avoided a mandate like other properties. We even pushed back at the, at the ALPA national level to make sure that, that pilots had the right to, um, to medical uh, choice. The MEC is committed to that. Uh, they've supported a resolution on, on language for the PWA and have provided direction uh, on it. We can't get into specific direction or, or where it's at in the process. But uh, your MEC is committed to it. Uh, we're committed to it, and absolutely, we're we're, we're seeking those uh, the, some language to that effect. Thank you, Shane. Okay, great. Um, well, that concludes the pilot question and answer part of the presentation today. Uh, we're a little ahead of schedule, so I'm going to go ahead and, and give it back to you guys, Eric. Uh, you know, do you have any closing comments you'd like to share with the pilots before we close out? Yeah, just uh, keep showing your unity. Uh, like I say, that that's the the number one thing you can do to help um, us at the table. You know, uh, like like Jason has alluded to, there's there's some you know further uh, pieces coming out from our our strike preparedness committee um, yeah, that are going to talk about the strike vote and and what that means and what it doesn't mean. Please uh, please just keep yourself informed on this. 
Uh, we, uh, you know, we get emails every day from, from pilots, uh, you know, giving us feedback, keep it coming, uh, copy your reps in cause they're the ones that are making these decisions, uh, you know, really on the, 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 our, the path that we're on here. So, but, but just stay engaged. That's the most important thing I can, I can say, uh, please come out September 1st for that next picket and, uh, and keep showing your unity. Uh, thanks, Eric. Um, and uh, Jason, do you have any closing comments? Uh, sure. Thanks, Shane. Uh, to piggyback on what what Eric what Eric said was absolutely September first. Picket, join us. Unity, 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 solidarity. Uh, those are important things. They're not just words. Uh, it it's it really helps move the needle at the table. Your MEC is unified. Your elected union representatives are unified on just as we are the admin, the negotiating committee on getting a industry-leading, truly industry-leading agreement that you are Delta pilots that we have earned. This is not just a, a catchphrase. It, we're serious and we're, and we're going to get there. Um, we're going to start moving into these high uh, high value items, the economics, uh, as Eric indicated. We need that leverage. We need the unity and then the solidarity to move the needle and uh, and, and achieve that, that contract. So again, thank you so much for your support. Um, we really appreciate appreciate it a lot of people working on your behalf it's as i said already it's not just us here a lot of people work tirelessly on behalf uh and and we appreciate everything they do uh thank you again for joining us we really appreciate uh really appreciate the support and uh, with that shane I'll, I'll throw it back to you thank you shane for 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 hosting all right thanks jason uh Thanks, Eric and Andrew, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And thanks to all uh, the pilots that joined us live. Uh, just you joining us live means that you're engaged and you're um, you're you're with uh, the rest of your pilots as we move down the timeline of getting a new contract. So it's really important that you uh, you continue with this engagement. A uh, couple reminders: the again the September first picket, which is Thursday, September first, will be uh, system wide. So in every Delta base. You can find more information in RSVP at dial.alpa.org. Uh, there's a banner uh, with a link to the RSVP sites. Um, again, just want to plug uh, DART. Uh, if you want to reach out to the number of uh, MEC committees, we have 28 committees. Uh, do so by using DART, dart.alpa.org. That's the best way to reach uh, your committee structure to get information and have your questions answered. Also, ACE for Unions is the app that the scheduling committee uses as well as I believe the hotel committee and a few other committees. Um, that's you can find that app uh, in the Apple store and the Android store for applications. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And I know the scheduling committee would love to have uh, all 14,000 pilots using ACE. And then finally, a lot of what was discussed today um, has been included on the in the engage podcast. We have uh, about 10,000 listens per episode. Uh, we'd like to get that number uh, increased. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the Engage podcast yet, I really encourage you to do so. Um, this is not an updated list of, of episodes, but we have about 16 episodes um, on there ranging from everything from negotiating updates to discussions about the pilot assistance network to fatigue to scheduling, et cetera. So I really encourage all pilots to, uh, to find the Engage podcast on their favorite podcast platform and give it a listen. Uh, with that, again, thank you for all for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time on the next uh, virtual town hall.